Thank you, Miss Laurie. I told you guys that Saturday was a good day, and it was. Saturday was a wonderful day, um, feeding the hungry, walking door to door, meeting the neighborhood, went to a hospital to visit the sick. It was a good day. But in the midst of the running, in the midst of the moving, I got a text. They're texts I get often. Uh, someone I know uh, in the recovery world fell back into their addiction, and it killed them. I got a, just got the text for the, a buddy of mine said, did you know about this one? Literally, that's how we say it, like, we lost this brother too. And I took, he sent me the funeral information so I can go and pay respects and just be with the family. It, it, it hurts. I, I know a lot of people who work in recovery ministry who say to me, you know, I can't do it anymore. We've buried too many people. It's just, it's just too discouraging. You know that, uh, what's the big one out East Bay, that big recovery center that has a girl's name? Susan Ford, right? Is that what it is? No. Betty Ford. It was Betty Ford. There's a Betty Ford clinic out East. Big money to go there. Big money to go to that recovery center. Do you know what their recovery rate is? What do you think? Are the people that go to, to, to the Betty Ford clinic, how many people get clean for a year? What do you think? Percentage. 30%? It's, 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 it feels pessimistic, but it's a fair guess. 12? It's 3. 3% of people get clean. After the money, after the time, after the smartest people we have can help people in recovery. Life Challenge, who we partner with, has a year-long residential program. And for those who do the whole year, we see 30% success rate, but that feel, like 30% feels better than three, but it's still tough. That means every 10 guys I meet in recovery, seven of the 10 are going to fall out of it. Seven of 10. It's a very discouraging reality. As I read about this brother who fell, I think to myself this question. I know this guy. I know that he his family battled addiction. It was in his blood. You know how addiction can be in the genetics? It's why I don't drink, because I know that it's in me. If I do this, I don't know when I'll wake up. So I don't touch it, because it's in my blood. He learned it. His, you know, it's, it was around him his whole life. He abused it for many, many years, so it became a habit, right? A habit. How, if it's in your blood... If it's in your family, if it's a habit over 30, 40, 50 years, what hope do we have to overcome these inlaid, broken things inside of us? And you might say, well, I don't have an addiction. We all got stuff. Whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether it's insecurity, we all got our stuff. And how many times, and what we do, whatever we do, it, it just follows us around. Whenever we move to a new place, it goes with us. How do we shape that? How do we reshape a human heart? Because the Bible says that if we're in Christ, we are a new creature. And I want some of that, right? I want some of that new creation stuff. 
Galatians, it says what? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I want some of that. I need, some, I need this hard heart that feels pretty, it feels pretty set in its ways, right? What's the old saying? You can't teach an old dog. That's the saying. And we're like, it's true, man. Old people are set in their ways. But, but Jesus says, his word says, old dogs can learn new tricks. People can change. And it's so rare in our world, we forget it's possible. But how, can a, how does a human heart change? There are many things in the Bible, many things that God reveals that, sh- that, they, that can reshape a human heart. His word reshapes a human heart. It's the, the, in Hebrews, it says what? That the Bible is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts bone from marrow. The word cuts stinking barnacles off our soul. That's why we need the truth of the word upon us and in us and over us. It's why we give half of our time. So at the Sundays, we take communion together. We sing songs together. We also open the word and say what it says because we need to hear it. We need to be reminded there's a truth bigger and stronger than, than, than Fox News or CNN or Reddit. I need something that's, that's, that's truer than all that stuff. So I go to the word. We know that community has a, a vital place in shaping the human heart because community is where we're known. Community is where I'm called out. Community is where I'm challenged and talked to and loved. At our east side church plant, one of our brothers didn't show for two weeks. And so we tracked him down. We called his, you know, his sister. Hey, do you know where his brother is? Oh, pastor, he fell down to the hospital. So yesterday I was at the hospital seeing him, and he was so grateful to have someone come and see him. When you're part of a community and you fall down, someone gives a rip. And out here in the world, people are alone, man. I walked around the neighborhood yesterday, pushed that ice cream cart, talked to some old man, and that guy had no one to talk to about the loss he felt from his father's death, his anger towards God. He just walked around all day, just no one asking, no one caring, no one listening. People just dying for someone to give a rip. And so God gives us a thing called the church. We give a rip about one another. So we do have the word. We do have his people. Today we're talking about another thing that reshapes the human heart. We're talking about prayer. Psalm 86 is a prayer of David. And in this prayer of David, we're going to learn how to pray in a way that can reshape our hearts. Begin in the first seven verses. Listen to these words. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord. For to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. The first thing I want to tell you about prayer is simply this. 
To pray is to seek the Lord. To pray, the act of prayer is an act of seeking. To pray is to seek God. Listen to the words he's using here. Incline your ear. Preserve my life. Save your servant. Be gracious to me. Gladden the soul of your servant. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea. Answer me in the day of my trouble. All this language, all these verbs are asking God to hear me. We're seeking God's help, seeking the person of God. We're saying, God, I need you. And the act of prayer in and of itself is a very humble act. I love how David starts. He says, verse 1, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. The very act of prayer is an act of dependence. It's saying, I'm not, and you are. I can't, but you can. I'm not, but you are. You have what I need, and without what you have, I am not going to make it. The act of prayer is an act of it's humility. It's saying, I don't have this. Now, if some of you are like me, and many of you are like me in this way, some of you, when you get, when you get hurt, refuse to go to the doctors. Anyone in there like that? You get hurt. You get a cold. I had COVID in March of 2020. I wouldn't admit it was COVID for how long? Nine days. I'm like, because I was the first guy to have COVID in the area, basically. And I'm like, it's not COVID. I literally told my wife before COVID hit, I, the COVID started hitting you coming to America. I'm like, babe, I never get sick. I'm not getting this disease. You know, talk, 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 blah, blah, blah. I get a fever, and I'm like, this is not COVID. On day nine, fevered, just sore, starting to lose the taste. I'm like, maybe, maybe. Just that refusal to ask for help. Why? Stubborn mule of a man. Now, that's just a silly example, but listen, when it comes to life, we're like that about a lot of things. Life will shake and we'll call, we'll call our sister, we'll call our parents, we'll call our buddies, we'll go online and just can Google it. And we only turn to the Lord after every other avenue's failed. The very act of prayer, that very, that posture of prayer is, is saying to the Lord, I need you. And prayer is not meant. Okay, when I was young, when I was a brand new believer, I was 14 years old, brand new Christian. I was going to public high school, Mott High School in Waterford, Michigan. And when I wanted to pray for my lunch because I wanted to talk to God and thank him for the meal I had. So I had this thing I would do. I would, because I was kind of shy back in those days, um, I would knock off a piece of my utensils on the floor, like my fork, my knife, my spoon. Oh, I'd reach down for it on the way down. Thank you, Lord, for this meal. Ba-bam! Done. No one saw, no one knows, the Lord got his prayer, everyone's happy. In those days, I thought the words were like a magic spell. If I say these words, nominus dominus, I get the thing. The prayer is not a magic spell. The goal of prayer is to connect to the living God. 
The goal is not me. Like, okay, so let's say, let's say my, my wife says to me, Ernesto, I want us to like, have some time to talk every week to debrief on our week. I want to have a debriefing time every week. Okay, sounds great. We decide on Monday afternoons is going to be Nesto Angie debriefing time. Let's say we go out to eat and we go to Buffalo Wild Wings. And if you ever go to Buffalo Wild Wings, there's TVs everywhere, right? TVs everywhere. Don't go there for a date, fellas. Because, um, like, the TV is like, uh, like it, just, it just draws you away. Like, I love you, but the NFL. Like, it, 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 it just pulls you away. It just, it's just, it just... Uh, the Lions, they got a chance. It's, but, uh, um, <laughs> but so what's if we go to Buffalo Wild Wings and every time we go, we eat and I'm watching TV a little bit and I'm, we talk about not, you know, little, not, nothing and we go home. And for a few months, we're doing this. And she's like, Ernesto, I really think we should, we should still talk. And I'm like, baby, we can have lunch every Monday. I mean, I'm sitting there across from you. I'm, I'm not engaged. You don't have my full attention, but I'm, I'm in the room. What more do you want from me? We treat prayer the same way. We think if I pray, if I, if I bow my head and say some words, I have prayed, I can check it off my list, I can move on. But the goal of prayer is not merely to say I pray today. The goal of prayer is to connect with the living God, to actually feel his presence, to draw near to him in a way that, I'll say it this way. I don't feel God's presence every time I pray. Many mornings I pray, and it's just an act of faithfulness. I bow my head, call upon the Lord. Honestly, in my life, it takes me 10 minutes just to prep to pray these days. In the morning, I wake up, bow my head, and in my head is like all the day stuff, right? I got to do this. The windshield got chipped. All the things in your head, right? Like my, my mind is full of all of these thoughts and schemes. It takes me 10 minutes to calm all that down. Then, after 10 or 15 minutes, I'm like, Lord, I'm here, I'm poor and needy, and I need you. And then we start talking for real. Angie and I go out to lunch. The first 15 minutes, we're sitting there talking about whatever. You know, uh, the dog needs his nails clipped, and the deck's looking pretty bad. Like, the normal crap that I talk about, right? But once in a while... Once in a while, there's true connection, a real conversation, a joining of souls, and you're like, we're on the same page, we're together. And when you're with the Lord, you're talking to the Lord, you never ever get that full, like, face-to-face, -face. we only get little touches with God. But those little glimpses are enough. There's a story in the Bible where Jacob's wrestling with God, and God, like, taps his hip, boop, goes out of, goes out of socket, right? Ah! Oh. Like, God doesn't smoke him, doesn't punch him, he touches him. Boop! Oh, sh Like, so when you're praying, you don't want the full-on, like, I'm here. Like, that, that would kill you. But just getting near to touch the stinking hem of his garment, even that is filling. It's like, whoa, I am in the presence of the God of heaven, and he is great, and he is mighty. We pray, to pray is to seek God. If you want to reshape your heart, you got to make room to call upon the Lord. You have to. I got a buddy who uh, makes knives, 
like makes knives at home. And he got this forge in his garage, and you put metal in the forge. It heats the, it superheats the metal. He pulls it out with these tongs. He's a big old hammer. He's like, chink, and he forms shapes of steel, right? Prayer is the forge of the human heart. Prayer is where our heart is superheated, that the Lord God of heaven can begin to shape it. I must be in his presence to begin to have my hard heart activated. I'll go to like a conference. This is how hard-hearted I am as a person. I'll go to a conference, you know, and, and I'll, on the way to the conference, I'll be like, man, I don't need to go to this conference. I've been to a conference. They're going to sing songs and preach the Bible. I, I know all this stuff already, so I'm a hard-hearted guy, right? And, and we'll start, we'll pray, have some time of silence. I was sitting there in the silence, and I'm like, I'm cool, Lord. I'm fine. As we sit there in the silence and pray for a while, as I, as I disengage from all the chaos of my everyday life, slowly the Lord gets a hold of me and says, wake up, remember me, come home. To pray is to seek God. Make room for God in your life. David goes on. This is what he says. He said, there's none like you among the gods, O Lord. There are, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. This is for the first part, David's just calling upon God. This next part, he's praising God. None like you. No one does what you do. All the nations will worship you and glorify your name. You are great. You do wondrous things. You alone are God. I give thanks to you, O God. With my whole heart, I glorify your name forever. Great is your steadfast love. You've delivered my soul. He he praises God. Because when you pray, to, to pray is to seek God, but to pray is also to praise God. Here's the thing. If you're going to go to God on your knees and God, I need you, the assumption is you can do what I can't do. You have power that I don't have. I come to you because you can do the thing that I'm unable to do. Part of prayer, it's a humble thing. I am, I am poor and needy, but you are great and mighty. The act of prayer is an act of worship. It's like saying, God, you are great, and I need you. There's a story at the end of the, end of the Gospels. You ever heard of Doubting Thomas? You ever heard of Doubting Thomas? There's a story at the end of the Bible where the, the Christ comes back, and ten of the disciples, they meet Thomas. or they, The disciples meet Jesus, and Thomas ain't there. He's not there. And the ten tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, I won't believe as I touch the scars on his hands and his feet. When Christ comes, like, it's me. You want, if you want to touch it? Here it is, man. Here it is. And when Thomas sees the risen Christ, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. His reaction is to give praise. You are the risen one. You defeated death. I can't help but say, you're awesome. 
When you're near something great, words of praise naturally, naturally come out. We, um, my family, we just got recently got bamboozled, got robbed. No, not robbed, got bamboozled. I got one of those internet ads that said, like, YouTube TV, really cheap for three months. I'm like, oh, and I ordered it, and it wasn't cheap for three months. It was, like, a lot of money. But, so I got, I got YouTube TV for three months. Um, now, I'm like, I don't need this YouTube TV thing, but the good thing about YouTube TV for me and my family is I can now watch Jeopardy. I finally watch Jeopardy every night. We watch Jeopardy every night. Me and, my, me and my wife watch Jeopardy every night. And YouTube TV will, like, TiVo it. So we miss it. We can come back and watch it later. You know, it's awesome. So everyone watch Jeopardy every night, me, Angie, maybe the kids. And every single night watch Jeopardy, every night, Angie almost wins the game. She answers faster than they answer. She wins the money. She does the bets well in the double Jeopardy, the, what's it called, the... Daily double, she bets good amount of money. You know, she wins the money. I'm like, she, if she was there, I could tell her. So I watched Jeopardy over the last few months, the last month. Every night, I'm just like, babe, you're so smart. Babe, you're, you're, you're so awesome. Because every night, I'm impressed anew by how much she knows about everything. Like, I, I need a category to make, you know, if, if it's like comic books, I'm like, I got it. If it's comics or movies or 90s music, or 80s too, like, I, I know like four categories. Dude, the other day, uh, Friday, the, 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 the uh, Final Jeopardy question was Science of the Bible. I'm like, I bet it all, baby! Uh, <laughs> like, I wasn't really on it, but if I was, I would have bet the world, dude. I got it wrong, but I would have bet the world. Um, so, when I see in my wife her abilities, praise comes actually, I, I naturally just tell her, you, you bad, baby, you bad. When you're near the Lord and you get to know him as comforter, healer, friend, and teacher, the praise comes, man. When we pray, it's like sometimes, like, Lord, sometimes in prayer, it's like, Lord, you are God and you are great, and I'm so grateful for you. There have been times I've been praying to the Lord and I felt his presence and I was so overcome by his presence, I didn't even ask for the thing that came to, I couldn't ask for help. I spent the whole time telling him how thankful I am for his hand on my life. Thank you so much for this and this and this and this. Part of prayer is speaking to God our gratitude for him. And lastly, we get to verse 14, says this, Oh God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life. They do not set you before them, but you, O oh Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So David reveals in this last section, he goes, someone's trying to hurt me. Someone's trying to kill me. God, I need you to show up. I need you to save me in a real way. Like, here's the address. Here's the day. Come and save me. And save me so that people who hate you will see how powerful you are. Prayer, to pray is to seek God. To pray is to praise God. And to pray is to move the world.
To pray is to change the world. We pray and we can ask God to change things in the actual world. At the end of James, it says, this is old King James English, it says, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The faithful prayers, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man have much power. Prayers can move the world. When we pray, we're not just praying to make ourselves feel better. I'm asking the God of heaven to take his might and use it on my behalf. I'm reticent to say this, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. (laughs) Um, I have a good friend of mine who's a high-ranking official in Genesee County. They weren't always that person. They used to be a nobody. They rose up to the ranks and, and were still good friends. I have this buddy of mine who, like, is a shooter. Not a shooter. That's a bad word nowadays. He's a big shot, a big wig in Genesee County. The other day, I was hanging out with him, and I mentioned that I have a lot of parking tickets from the city of Flint. That I park on the street in Flint, you know, and they have the, the little things. They're so annoying. I, they they give five minutes of grace, and then you're like, $15. It's, it's awful. $26. Jeez. Okay, that's a YouTube, that's YouTube TV for them. Unless I ask you, it's twice that. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned I have like tickets, and he just goes, dude, give them to me. I'm like, what? He goes, give me the tickets. I'll take care of it. Because he has influence, he has power. I told him, no, dude, I, 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 I knew what I was doing. I deserved the fines. Leave me alone. I was tempted, like, here they are, dude. Call your people, erase them. I didn't, but I know if I called him, there's power there, right? When we go to the God of heaven and ask him for help, we're saying, God, I know you have power. I want you to use your power for my benefit. David says, people try to kill me, Lord. Defend me, save me. Humble those killers, deliver me from their hands. We're allowed to ask God to move on our behalf. As a church, we've asked God to keep the rain back while we're doing revival. We've, if, you're, if you've been around for a while, we've prayed against the rain a lot here as a church. And we've seen God hold the rain back many, many times. It's kind of been awesome. One time we asked the Lord, we got together with all of us, we were praying. We asked God, Lord, let the rain stay away so we can baptize the people that come forward today. And we had this big outdoor service in the middle of, of um, Carrollton neighborhood. We're baptizing people, and we baptized the last person that came out of the water, and the storm came. It was, it was incredible to be a part of. Like, wow, we asked the Lord for this much time, and he gave us to the minute the amount of time we needed. The God of heaven moves. We're allowed to ask him to do things for us. We're allowed to, ask, to seek him. I mean, Jesus says things like, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened up for you. We're allowed to ask God for stuff. For a job. In the jails. I pray with people all the time. They're like, Lord, you pray that I get a light sentence. Sure, I'll pray for a light sentence. We're allowed. Lord, my brother done messed up. But have mercy on him, even though he deserves it. God asks God for all that stuff. 
In this single psalm, Psalm 86, we learn a lot about prayer. I hope as you go forth from this place, you know that following Christ is not merely about wearing a cool t-shirt. Following Christ means making room for Christ in your life, drawing near to his presence on the daily. Because when we're near to the Lord, near to God, that is the place where our hard hearts are melted, where God can do that mighty work inside of us. I'll end by saying this. We have that new uh, the app we use to read the Bible together, that uh, Dwell app. If you haven't got it, we have a free app here as a church called the Dwell app. You can sign up for it on our website. Uh, it's a free audio Bible app, and we listen to the Bible every week together as a church, okay? We're going through the whole Old Testament this year, and that's like July, so we're halfway through. Uh-huh. Um, if, you, if you've not done it, start just jumping over this right now. We're in the Psalms. It's awesome. I love walking my dog every morning, listening to the Bible in my, in my headphones. It's funny how we're such creatures of habit. We're creatures of habit. So for me, I walk my dog, and I listen to the Bible, and it's awesome. But what I didn't realize is I used to, in the mornings, I used to pray with my dog. I used to walk the dog and pray. So I traded tra- tra- the prayer for the Bible, which is not a bad prayer. I didn't realize, though, I had no other place in my life to sit and be with God. And before I knew it, over the course of a month or so, I was still doing the right things. I wasn't like being an evil man. I wasn't going out and like being an adulterer or a murderer or a liar. But I was spending no time with the Lord. I was just drifting slowly away from the Lord. We had no time together. I had all the truth in my head. And my heart was slowly beginning to harden. I was more irritable. More angry at the the drop of a hat. My personality began to slowly drift back to the default, Ernesto. Because the Lord does work in your life, right? The Lord does work in your life. You begin to change. But you know, there's there's the default setting. There's the, you ever on your iPhone and go to like reset to factory? Away from the Lord, reset the factory. And factory Ernesto likes to fight and yell at people. That's who he is. I, I was like, I'm, I I'm like, what's going on with me? Why am I getting so mad? Why am I so irritable? I realized my heart has not been being put in the forge on a daily basis. And the heart's slowly beginning to harden. I had to find a new place to put prayer because without prayer, we don't make it. Without prayer, we're all intention and no follow-through. A missionary once said this amazing line. They said, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is where we are made. Prayer is where our faith is grown. Prayer is where we call upon the Lord to move on our behalf. So I encourage you, you find a place, whether it's the morning, 
whether it's your lunch break, whether it's an evening, you find a place to take some time. And listen, with kids, it's tough. It's tough to find that place. But you, we all have to find a place. We can spend time with the Lord and get our hearts quiet that he may work upon us. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, incline your ear to us, O Lord, for we are poor and needy. There are so many things in our family right now, in our church family, people needing homes, people needing jobs, people praying for their future, sickness, confusion, loneliness. You know what's in all of us, oh Lord. Give us the courage to bear our actual soul before you. Give us the courage to admit we are poor and needy, to come before you, O oh Lord, in our vulnerable, needy self. As we give our heart into your hands, O oh Lord, take it and make it new. Take away this heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh that we may be sensitive to your leading and the movement of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, O oh Lord, for this time, for your word that is true. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.